What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. I'm Ben. We are joined uh, today, as always, by our super producer, Noel Derail Brown. Derail, I like it. Or what was the other one that you had for him earlier? Oh, uh, top lane? Uh, center, uh, below the... Uh, what, what could have been? Under the bus. <laughs> That's great, <laughs> yeah. under the bus. Yeah, yeah. Everybody can be under the bus. And as you know, we, uh, like to, we like to use opportunities to give Noel nicknames as a foreshadowing of a sort for our episode. But before we get to that, we have a couple of pieces of business that occurred off the air that we would like to bring to your attention. Yeah, just a few things I want to mention. And I'm kind of excited about this. This week, this past weekend, and I posted this on Facebook on our, on our page recently, um, I saw for the first time ever a real-life Acura NSX, a 2017 Acura NSX. And I was pretty geeked about it. I was enough that, you know, <laughs> I, I passed it on the road and uh, I, I, um, I pulled it. was in a dealership. It was in a Ferrari dealership. Of all things, it was parked outside. They have this huge, beautiful showroom that you know, well lit and has, uh, you know, maybe I don't know, twenty cars and fifteen cars, mm-hmm. and they're all arranged perfectly and everything, and it's it looks beautiful. But there are all Ferrari cars, so they have this Acura NSX on the lot, and they park it outside and they left it out over the weekend. It was raining and you know leaves oh, wow. blowing around and everything. Yeah. Uh, the lot's under construction as well, so it's a little. The background's a little. Uh, Iffy, but um, but I was so excited to see it, and this thing is—I mean, it's a hundred and ninety-eight thousand dollar car that they just left outside over the weekend. Usually, this dealership—it's a—it's a a combination um, Maserati dealership and Ferrari dealership—and they always bring. 100% 100% of the Ferrari product inside for the weekend, whether it's in the garage area, inside the showroom, or wherever. Sure. And they leave the Maseratis outside. And some of them, some of them, you know, garner a spot inside as well. But for the most part, they're stuck outside. Do you think it was uh, meant to be left out as some sort of promotional thing? Possibly. I mean, it's an attention grabber because sure. you don't see these very often. This is, uh, as I said in the post, this is the very first one that I've seen on the road outside of maybe an auto show. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty excited. It's it's one of those that you've heard about for years years and finally to get you know to stand next to one and, mm-hmm. and kind of peer through the window and see what's going on it's cool I'd, I'd love to hear it of course and see it and feel it maybe uh, also as you mentioned
and it made you forget the uh, totally overlook the other fifteen or what twenty yeah. cars in well, the lot. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's a it's one of those lots where you have to park far far away and walk all the way across the lot because they don't want anybody driving around. You know, all the Maseratis in the lot on the weekend. Yeah. So you have to park at their you know the big gates and then walk through the lot and mm-hmm. after all that i got so distracted by the nsx i didn't even think to turn around and look at you know all the the 20 ferraris that were well lit behind me that i could have easily taken some photos of uh i've just totally forgot about it so the one they had was 198 grand 190 it must 000. have some uh some bells and some whistles well on it. it's a pretty low number I, if i remember right i got a picture of the uh the tag because they number each one and i think mm-hmm. it was number 191 I, i'm pretty sure uh, it was, it was, had 436 miles on the odometer, so I guess technically it's a used car. Uh, believe it or not. Who buys not, it, sells, I, sells it like you that? You know what? I think that's, that happens in the supercar world. I think yeah. that, you know, you put a few hundred miles on it, you get tired of it, and you move on to the next thing. Or, you know, maybe it was an investment. Sheesh. It's probably an investment for somebody. They bought an early model and then sold it for a huge profit, you know, substantial profit. So, um, maybe that's what's going on. Just, I don't don't remember what the MSRP for. Yeah, uh, the MSRP is is a little bit lower actually. It should be according to Motor Trend, uh, one hundred and sixty seven thousand. Uh, okay, so somebody just made thirty thousand dollars and drove it for four hundred and fifty miles, right? Yeah. Or they will make thirty. But they had some. They had some. I'm sure they had some extra kit on it. Yeah. But uh, all right. So just to paint the picture for everybody here, so. Twin turbo, 3.5 liter V6, 500 horsepower, uh, 406 pound feet of torque, and it's got three separate electric motors. Yeah, and it's a nine, so it's a, it's a hybrid. Mm. It's got a nine speed automatic with paddle shifters too, and they, you can see them through the window, but, um, Again, you know, without being able to get inside and sit down and really feel it, uh, I, I wish I could have done that. But uh, I don't even know if they were open, if they would have been allowed to do that. We could almost do a show just on that. Almost, yeah. It's a, it's a great car. And I love I love the classic NSX as well. Um, I, I really love that. I, I, that's kind of one of the dream cars, I guess, you know, someday. But um, I don't know. It's just interesting to see that. Anyway, so that's the first thing. Really. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Oh, Before yeah. we move on, I want to correct myself because I had – Quoted the fair market price of one hundred sixty-seven, five hundred sixty-two dollars. The MSRP is actually one hundred fifty-six thousand, which, ladies and gentlemen, makes your estimated monthly payment to own a brand spanking new one a low, low, low fire sale price of three thousand sixteen dollars a month. For how many months? Like sixty months, seventy-two months, something For like that. For the rest of your life, ninety-six months. What Forever. is it? Forever. <laughs> it's a long time. I, <laughs> I bet it's a long, long yeah, time. Yeah. It's a long lease. Uh, okay. So um, second thing. Second thing. This morning, you know, I okay. Just so everybody knows, I, I this weekend I pulled all the rally decals off my car, so I'm kind of enjoying that anonymity of driving on the road. Uh, this has nothing really to do with it, but I'm driving. Uh, in the uh, in my Volkswagen CC now with no rally decals, finally, after right. months and months. And I asked you earlier, we were talking about this off air this morning, I asked you, you know, well, Scott, do you think you're you're driving differently? Are you going back to your old ways? <laughs> no, because <that, laughs> no, remember I said it made me a better driver because they yeah. could be spotted, you know, like right. everybody would know exactly who I was. Mm-hmm. Well, this has a little something to do with it, I guess. I was in, in uh, on 285, which is a road that goes around Atlanta, you know, mm-hmm. like a circular path. And uh, I was trying to get to a main road that goes into town. And early morning, busy traffic, and there's a huge shoulder to my right. I'm in the far right lane. There's a, a shoulder that's easily as wide as a lane, probably wider than a lane of traffic. So there's a lot of space over there. And then a guardrail, a big metal guardrail. Mm-hmm. 
as I'm driving, uh, you know, we get to this part where, you know, traffic kind of backs up and everybody's stopped and there was no panic stop or anything. We all, all, all kind of stopped at the same time. And about, I don't know, 15 seconds after I had come to a complete stop, behind me, I heard this loud bang. Oh, I mean, no. like four cars back. And the bang was not what I thought it was. I thought somebody had smashed into another car. Yeah. Somebody had probably just looked up last second, darted to the right, you know, off to the sh- shoulder, and dinged that guardrail. I mean, hard, though, like uh, like whole side side of the car. Sw- you Scraped know, up? Swiped it out, yeah. Um, but really, really hard. And here's how fast this person was going. And, again, it's stop-and-go traffic in the morning. Yeah. This person was going fast enough that I'm four or five cars ahead, and they went sailing past me, still scraping the guardrail, at about 60 miles an hour. Holy crap. Really flying. And they came to a slow, like they, they coasted to a stop. They pulled it off the rail finally and came to a stop. No one was injured or anything. It, I mean, the car didn't even look like it had been damaged, you know, because it wasn't like all smashed up on one side or anything. It was mm-hmm. my, apparently like a real glancing blow, sure. like just barely touching it. Like a, like a stone skipping off uh, water. Yeah, yeah. Like it just it glanced it, but it was fast enough and loud enough that, man, it scared the hell out of me when it came by, too. Because I thought, oh, man, this guy's going to lose control and pull it out in a trap. Especially when you're stuck and you have no exit, uh, no exit path. There's nowhere to go. Yeah. But I can't imagine being that first car back there where the guy darted. It, you know, around him because that would have been a panic moment for me to look up in the mirror and see that guy coming. Yeah, uh, no, no injuries. I mean, I as I'm there, the person went farther down the road and was just kind of sitting there, you know, breathing because you know trying to take it all in for a moment. And then as we were passing, I uh, got out and just kind of checked out the side of the car. But I man, mean, that was scary. Two eighty five is notorious, man, because it's it's one of those for anyone not familiar. It's one of those. Huge interstates, at least huge for this part of the country, with, you know, five or six lanes in each direction and weird, uh, weird merging off and on points that don't really exist on other interstates here. Uh, and, you know, like people will merge in from the left straight into the passing yeah. lanes and stuff. R- really weird. And, you know, I think a lot of places, or a lot of big cities have this is that main road that goes around. We've talked about these on the most dangerous roads because, yeah. Uh, this is one of them. It's like top five or something in in Atlanta, but that's because of volume. And these roads, these perimeter roads like that, are the ones where uh, semi traffic has to go. So if you've got a semi load that's not going into the city, uh, they have to bypass. You have to go around. So let's say someone's coming from you know north and they're headed down to mm-hmm. Florida, they have to take that pathway to get around town. So a lot of semi traffic on that road. It gets really you know dangerous. Um, but man, that was, that was terrifying this morning. Like it, it yeah. made my heart really jump, I'm, you know. I'm glad you're here. Well, <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, maybe take surface streets. I, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Anyways, uh, just weird coincidence. I was just kind of, you know, yeah, anyways. There's no way, there's no way around it. it. And this reminds me, uh, we're going to have some listener mail at the end of the day because we got a lot of feedback on both our 300,000 Mile podcast. Yeah, 300,000. And uh, we got a lot of feedback on you're doing it wrong. Oh, yeah, that's right. A lot so, of people had, uh, you know, additions and also maybe some questions or corrections maybe for us. Yeah, well, we'll follow up with this too. And I think there's some important information for our fellow drivers to hear uh, from those correspondences. But first, before we do that, uh, Scott, you remember this, this idea is something today's topic rather is something that i became inordinately excited about uh when i when i first read about it Mm -hmm. and uh yeah there was a lot of news around this recently this Mm -hmm. last summer yeah so let's travel with the power of imagination uh to china 
And I've got a disturbing statistic here for China. Uh, a disturbing statistic? A disturbing statistic. Okay. As of uh, 2015... Every year, at least two hundred thousand people in China die as a result of road accidents. Wait, how many? Two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand. It's according to、uh, WHO, the World Health Organization. Wow. And that number, according to WHO,、uh, the number they have is more than four times what the Chinese government reports. Oh man. The point is that in a country that's growing so quickly, in such a in such a large country with such dense urban areas, too, traffic is spoiler alert bad. Crazy bad, horrific. Two eighty five is bad. Yeah, that's that's nothing really. <laughs>、yeah. Nothing compared to that. That's uh, uh, it's just densely packed.、Mm-hmm. And with more and more people wanting to move into the cities,、uh, the Chinese government on state and federal levels are running into something that a lot of other cities and a lot of other places in the world have had to tackle, which is how do we. With the with the road infrastructure that we have, assuming that it's going to be incredibly expensive to try to buy up more land to build on, with the traffic infrastructure that we already have, how do we deal with this rising tide of newer drivers or commuters? Yeah. So one idea might be you can build.、Uh, well, you could build under. You could build tunnels. Sure. That's tough. Another idea could be that you like London.、Uh, Famously approached it through a taxation angle, and they said,、sure. "Let's make people pay more." Yeah, yeah. So that people would,、uh, you know, then think twice about maybe bringing another car into the city. Right.、Um, the other thing you could do is, I guess, you could try to somehow build up. Right. You could build、um, elevated. Uh, you know,、uh, roads or whatever. Right. Crazy talk. Yeah. Well, it is kind of crazy talk, but there's kind of a like a. Half solution that works, sorry. Here, yeah, right? um, uh, uh, like a half measure that will get you there.、Mm-hmm. A, a nice stopgap. Now we're not talking about、uh, we're we're not quite talking about something like the L in Chicago, an elevated train.、Uh, we're talking about another nifty idea that came about around 2010. Yeah, 2010. Now this is crazy because most people hadn't really heard about this until this last summer, and we'll get to you know what happened this、mm-hmm. summer. But、uh, 2010, they started talking about this、uh, the straddling bus, and they call it they keep calling it a straddling bus. And I think maybe right up front we should get this out of the way that it's not truly a bus. Right. Yeah, it's based on rail, so it's almost more like a train car. Yeah. Okay. So that's、Or、a trolley. Yeah. So、sort. it's not really、uh, like you can't just freely drive this thing around the city and change lanes and all that. It's it's on a designated path. It's on a rail.、Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea was that in Shanghai they were going to create this bus that was above traffic and it would allow what is it one or two lanes of traffic to go through underneath? Yeah. I think it's two lanes. It's two lanes. Two lanes. So.、Um, This thing has on like big legs, and I'm sure everybody has probably seen this by now. And if you haven't, you know it's an easy enough Google search to do. So、sure. check it out. Just look、Straddling、up elevated bus, bus or China's bus,、yeah. China's elevated bus or something, and you'll find it. And、uh, the idea again, it, well, it didn't really start in 2010. It started way earlier than that. But this is when we started seeing this is this posed as a solution、Applied、to Shanghai. Yeah, yeah, to Shanghai's、uh, you know congestion problem.、Mm-hmm. But where did it come from, Ben? So the idea of this elevated bus system. First was proposed by two American architects, a guy named Craig Hodgetts and a guy named Lester Walker, and they called it the Bosewash Landliner.、Uh, and this、uh, concept, way back in 1969,、uh, was sort of a nifty. 
I don't know, it was, it was almost more of a novelty or one of those uh, uh, futuristic what-if kind of things. So it wasn't until decades later that people said, well, what if we apply this to China's traffic problem? Here's the – let's see if we can paint the picture here. It might be a little difficult because uh, it is very visual. But let's say you have a four-lane road, two lanes of traffic going each way, uh, median dividing the two directions. Mm-hmm. This elevated rail system, what they're calling a bus, would be as wide as two of those lanes, and on either side, it would have um, either side it would have the rail wheels connecting to the point where if you're driving under it, it would be like you're driving in a moving tunnel. So in China, there there are four modes of transportation. There are public transit. There's the subway. There's light rail. There's the bus rapid transit, and then there are normal buses. This thing would be a uh, a substitute for the rapid transit bus. And if you initially think about it, the concept is there. It sounds pretty cool because you're. You're bypassing traffic without having something disastrous like a flying car. Yeah. You know, it's, it's creating, as you said, as you said, Scott, it's creating an extra lane essentially above traffic. And this would move, ideally, in theory, this would move, uh, almost independently of traffic jams. Yeah, and there'll be elevated platforms so that people could enter and, and exit this uh, this tr- this bus, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on well street side, I suppose, and be able to get on and off on a big platform maybe that kind of was over the roadway. Ideally, um, in uh, ideally. theory. In, th- in theory. Okay, <laughs> so this thing's pretty big. It's um I think that the the top deck they said is something like 4 or 4 and a half meters high. Uh, with two levels. So, you know, when you look at this, there's actually two levels of, of passengers inside mm-hmm. there as well. Um, it, it can carry something like 1,200 to 1,400 people at a time. Yeah. It's, it's enormous. It's a really big thing. Um, and it was supposed to be powered by electricity and then solar energy. Now, this is back in 2010. That was the idea. Um, electric, electricity and solar energy could power this thing up to 60 kilometers an hour per hour while it was carrying those 12 or 1,400 passengers. Yeah, and this okay. So this all sounds great, especially considering that estimates have the country of China expected to gain twenty million new drivers next year. Twenty million. Twenty Wait, million next year alone. Yeah. Oh my next gosh. Year. Twenty million additional cars on the road, cars or trucks or motorcycles or whatever. Yep. Uh, oh man, and it's already crowded. What a so, time to be alive. Okay, so so that's way back in 2010 when this thing was kind of, uh, well, first really suggested as, as Shanghai's uh, solution. If you fast forward to about uh, May of 2016, mm-hmm. China had a working model of this ready to go. So, Which and looked cool. Now, uh, the model, I'm talking about like a real model, like um, almost like an RC, you know, RC set, like a, some, a slot car set almost, where they showed in very slow creeping maneuvers, you know, in, in uh, supposed city situations with lots of little tiny scale model cars. Yeah, yeah. How this bus would be able to just kind of float over top of the cars and, you know, um, kind of seamlessly integrate itself into this traffic situation, right? Graceful, and, yeah. Yeah, very graceful and everything. The, the problem here is that all the cars are on a, a you know, a designated track and the, the train or the car 
sorry, the bus is on a designated track as well. So everything in this little scenario here, this little uh, um, almost, uh, I don't know, make-believe It's almost like land. a model train set. Yeah, it's like make-believe land or something, you know, like when the trolley would come around. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's like that. And it's kind of interesting to watch. You can watch, you know, videos of this thing with little miniature trees and light mm-hmm. posts and all that. And it's really interesting. But that's that's in May of 2016, <clears throat> so early uh, in the spring of this year. Mm-hmm. And they kind of were thinking like, well... Uh, we're just going to throw this out there that we're still thinking about this as our as our solution, right? And uh, we're maybe we'd even look for investors at this. Yeah, point. maybe look for investors to uh, fund at least the building of a prototype. And we should explore the prototype, but before the rubber hits the road on that one, let's pause for a word from our sponsor. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And uh, Ben, we should probably tell them the name of this thing too. First of all, they, they, oh, yes. they coined it. They coined a term for this. They called it the TEB. The T E B stands for Transit Elevated Bus. So if you do a search for TEB, you'll also find this thing. Um, but they had uh, the idea that they were maybe kicking around the idea that they were going to build a prototype. 
And everybody thought, no, there's there's no way they're going to do that. I mean, this thing, it, it looks so futuristic. It looks so, uh, you know, like, um, it looks like something out of a sci-fi movie, really. It looks like something out of a, I was thinking about this. It looks like something out of a sci-fi movie from the 1970s. Yeah, it kind of does. You know, like that, the retro futuristic stuff. Uh, what was that? Actually, when Noel first heard about it and saw a picture, he said it reminded him of Blade Runner. Yeah, he was wearing a Blade Runner shirt. Uh-huh. And he said, hey, that reminds me of this. And, and he showed us our, his shirt. And, and it's kind of like Logan's Run or a Tron episode. Honestly, it really does look like that. It really does look like something out of a sci-fi movie. And, you know, the thing is that in May, they're still trying to get people interested in it, but they've got this little, uh, this working scale model that they're showing off and trying to get people excited about it and saying, we, we really can do this. Um, you know, you, if you're excited about it as we are, right? Why don't you put your money where your mouth is and see if we can make this work? And we've all got a chance to make a lot of money on this, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, the the before we go on, Scott, maybe we could talk about some pros and cons with this before we talk about the story. Okay, sure. is that okay? Oh yeah. All right. So we'll we'll just bat back and forth. Okay. Uh, so pro, it effectively creates a new lane of traffic. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Pro, it uh, gets a lot of people into one area. I mean, one single bus that can carry twelve or 1,400 mm-hmm. people versus maybe mm-hmm. 10 buses that are required to carry that many people or more. Con, the clearance on it would not be tall enough to permit a lot of commercial vehicles like ah, dump yes. trucks, semis, and the like. Con would also be that, uh, say there was an emergency situation, mm-hmm. uh, the people are – Stuck up in the air, they're they're a a a story above the ground. That's a problem. So you can't just exit to ground level easily. Yeah, uh, con in any traffic situation, as you had mentioned earlier, it, drivers will not be predictable. Just the same way people try to force themselves into the breakdown lane to save a couple minutes toward an exit, uh, I could definitely see people swerving in a way that's injurious to this vehicle. I mean, it's pretty it, – it seems pretty sturdy, but I think if it got smashed in the right kind of thing or if there were a pileup underneath it or something, it could get very ugly very quickly. Well, imagine the uh, situation if you're driving side-by-side side near a train. I mean, some of the dangerous moves that people might pull to cut left or cut right in front of that train mm-hmm. or try to uh, just stop abruptly when that thing can't. Right. Um, someone it's bound pull, to happen. I mean, someone pulls over right as they're passing it from down under. Yeah, and also here's another con is that if you're a driver on the road and you're sitting in a light and this thing suddenly envelops you, you know, like you're you're parked at a light, a red light, yeah. and this thing goes past you or goes over top of you, how disorienting would that be? How how frightening would that be the first several times that it happened? Um, also, in watching a little bit of the video of, you know, this thing in action, um, mm-hmm. Uh, they had some footage of, of uh, you know, what it would look like from underneath if that did happen, you know, like these different scenarios. And it's just – it's very confusing to your mind when you see something like – like you have to stop at a, a red light, but this thing that's all around you continues to move on because it's got right of way or, you know, whatever. There's a different series of, of – um, uh, uh, visuals that happen when something like this is moving around you. It's like imagine the walls of the, the either the room you're in yeah. or the, the bridge or tunnel that you're in right now moving at a different rate than you are that you're moving. It's it's really all very disorienting. Very very crazy. Mm-hmm. So I mean we can go back and forth with pros and cons like this all day I sure. think. But if we jump ahead to August. Twenty sixteen. Early August of twenty sixteen, this very year 
They built a prototype. They actually built a working prototype in China, and no one could believe it. They thought, well, this was just a drawing a few months ago. What happened? And then a model. Yeah. Now they've got one on the road. And, and I'll tell you, when I first saw this, I thought it was actually working in the city. I thought it was actually a, a – and I know it's a working prototype, but I, I did thought too, they had implemented this thing. But I don't think – they haven't implemented it. But they did – by golly, by gum, they did build an actual working prototype, and you can see footage of this thing rolling. You can see some of the pros and cons that Scott and I listed earlier uh, become quickly apparent uh, in both good and bad ways. One of the things that really stuck with me was that, yeah, they built it, but I believe the Chinese government – Depending on the road, has a height limit of like thirteen or fourteen feet. Yeah, I've got it right here. Yeah, they have a limit of uh, you're allowed to drive on the roads with something that's four point two meters in height, and that's uh, that's thirteen feet seven inches. So okay. You were right, right about that. You're right. So the bottom of the bus, however, if you were to look up from underneath, how high is that? It's about seven feet. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's just about. It's it's not even quite that high. It's uh, holy it's, smokes. It's half of the le- legally allowed height on Chinese roads. So if you're allowed to drive something that's four point two meters. The distance between the road surface and the bottom of the bus, which we, you would travel under, is 2.1 meters, and that's about 6 feet 8 inches. That's not very high at all. I mean, yeah. so there, right away, a lot of vehicles, a lot of vehicles, would not be able to pass underneath this. And that means that there would be several lanes that could not be used by anybody with a vehicle over, you know, 6 feet 8 inches. Uh, because, you know, who knows when the next bus is going to come by or who knows if you're going to try, you know, just forget the height of your vehicle and drive underneath and cause some kind of calamity to happen. Right. Um, you know, I, I can see, you know, you, you know what happens when there's a low bridge in town. Everybody hits that bridge. It's always that way, isn't it? And you people, can see the scrape marks on the yeah, on the bottom. I mean, of the bridge. if it's really if it's a really really low one, people yeah. people will sometimes set up cameras because they know that people hit that bridge and sometimes they'll catch, you know, it's it's. Terrible for the truck owner or whatever, but you know, you catch people trying to squeeze underneath there and you catch some kind of funny things and you catch some kind of sad things too. Yeah. Um, you know, with, uh, with, you know, property damage and, you know, the whatnot. But, um, anyways, so they built this prototype and they had me fooled. I thought that this, uh, the situation where, you know, we were seeing little video clips of it maybe 15, 20 seconds at a time right, and right. saying, yeah, we've got this thing and it's working. Those clips made it look like it was on a busy city street, and it and it kind of was. It it kind of was, but they've uh, they found a way around it by renting a bit of the road for their tests. And I find this really <laughs> this is yeah. really interesting. This will play into a later part of the mm-hmm. story too. But the developers or the people that uh, that, that created this, they rented or, or I guess they leased about four hundred feet of roadway, uh, public roadway in China. And set up their track system, and they've got this thing that's on the track, and it, it goes in and out of this big garage that they've built as well, like a big shed structure yeah. uh, that's open on both ends. And they ran their test. First they did it in, uh, I think it was in, yeah, it was August of 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did the early testing, but that was without anybody inside it. And then not long after the first test, the was the uh, the China state media came out and said, Hey, everybody, guess what? This may be a scam. Big Ponzi scheme. That's right. They called it a Ponzi scheme, and here's why. The project was funded by what's called peer-to-peer lending, and that's something where an online company will have a bank of investors and a bank of borrowers, right, and say, here, investor A can uh, fund 
this uh, this borrower be, and over time they will pay back in a way that is beneficial to the borrower who's maybe getting a better rate than they could for a bank loan, but still beneficial to the investor who's getting a better rate than they could for another type of investment. Yeah, and they're shopping it to them. They're saying, well, here's this futuristic transportation technology that's really set to uh, you know, change everything here in Shanghai and all over China, really, if this thing really works out. So um, you know, they get them excited by this new technology investment and say, it's probably a good bet to, you know, we're already building a prototype. Yeah, you know, it's here it is, and you know, you can go down and watch them construct this thing or whatever. And, and we've, we've got 400 feet of public roadway already secured that we're going to test uh-huh, this thing in August. Right. And so they probably already said, actually, Scott, not to interrupt, but that's I, right. I, I think what they probably said is we've got it running on the roads now. Oh, uh, they probably which is did. technically true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so they're doing this testing, and that's in the early part of August. And then, of course, late in August is when. The China State media comes out and says, hey, it's may- this may be a scam, and oh, they tell them why. But th- this is why they said it. It's because they largely were considered – the media was largely considering anything using a peer-to-peer lending model as automatically a scam. So this is a little tricky here because mm-hmm. it's one of these situations where you got to try to figure out was it initially that way or was it, or was it something that people just believed to be a scam and they, they pulled out and then – you know, um, well, whatever. Well, like, yeah. we'll, we'll get to that. But okay. Um, so, so end of August, they, they they come out and say like maybe a scam. Investors start to flee, so the, you know the money's going away, and they also want some refunds. So investors are saying, not only am I not going to invest, I want I want some of my money back uh, that I've already given you. Yeah. And that scared them. On, that scared them a little bit. But in September of 2016, they were back for more testing, so that things look good again. I don't know how that happened. Maybe a new uh, influx new of money maybe. from somehow. Yeah. Yeah. But um. They did this testing, and, and of course, you know they're doing this now out in public again. And this time, they allowed passengers on board, so it looks even more real. Like you know, like it's really going to happen. We're we're testing with people now, like with actual humans on board. See, like families. There's a lady with her baby sitting by the window. Yeah, and that's as early. That's as late, I guess I should say, as September of this very year. Mm-hmm. So things were kind of looking good, and and then. It just kind of went away. We didn't hear anything about this uh, after September of 2016. Yeah, this 72-foot-long, 25-foot-wide, 15 or 16-feet high vehicle just seemed to disappear. So the next question, of course, Scott, has to be this. What happened to the TEB? Yeah, it can't just disappear, right? I mean, there's some, there had to have been something. There's a, there's a story here, right? And that's the end of our show. Kidding. No, we will be back with some answers for you after a word from our sponsor. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. 
And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Before we talk about the ultimate um, or the the current state of the disappearing TEB, I I do want to say, you know, this peer-to-peer lending model uh, is not – this isn't a financial show, but the peer-to-peer lending model is not inherently a bad thing. Part of what happened is that there were other peer-to-peer platforms in China that shut down – and were declared Ponzi schemes by the government for using the same thing. However, this is not a uniquely uh, Chinese practice for lending. You can find other institutions or services, even here in the States where a show is based, who advertise this sort of thing. So it's not necessarily a Ponzi scheme. I myself have never participated in it, but it definitely any investment carries risk, and a lot of these people folded Additionally, the state media started making more claims. And you can read this excellent article in Popular Mechanics about this. I don't know if you heard this one, Scott. The Global Times uh, started, as the younger folks would say, started throwing some shade uh, at the TV project. They said that the project's chief architect had only a primary school level applica- uh, uh, education. Yeah, so the China state media is coming out with, you know, saying a couple of bad things about it. You know, just kind of. Pushing towards like it is a scam. Maybe things aren't always what they mm-hmm. appear. Don't invest in this, that kind of thing. And when you hear like a big media agency, I guess, um, you know, of course, it's the China State Agency. I take that for whatever you want. But um, they're uh, they're maybe telling investors not to invest or maybe to uh, to consider, you know, looking elsewhere if you want to invest in future technology. So um, – I don't know. It seems like they're they're an authority of some sort, and they're saying bad things about it. So of course that makes people wary and want to pull out. And when they do that, then other investors start to get wary and want to pull out, and it just becomes this big snowball situation mm-hmm. where uh, suddenly they're left with no no money, and uh, and that's exactly what happened. 
Yeah, after testing was labeled or after the project was labeled as a scam by media and the investors pulled out, testing abruptly stopped and those investors began asking for their cash back, as well, you say. Well, when I say no money, they've already got the money that they've collected from right. the investors, but they don't have uh, additional funds coming in to further the project. And, you know, that's the that's the idea. But, um, man, so this thing, after uh, after looking really, really promising, um, now we're in December of, of 2016, so only a couple months after September, this thing's abandoned. Right, yeah, with no word from the parent company of the TEB, which is an outfit called... Huaying Kalai, and uh, they have disappeared. There's a kind of sad art. There are a couple sad articles about this in Chinese media, man. Yeah, uh, with headlines like China's elevated bus uh, site has been abandoned for months. Get this. Apparently, they just left it in the road. Yeah. So they okay. This is really fascinating to me. So I told you that they leased this bit of roadway, right? Right. Right. So they bought, uh, or they leased, I should say. Um, I'll get the dimensions right here. I think, I think it was 390, oh, 300 meters long. Um, so 300 meters of, of roadway, but they, they lease this road. They, they lease part of the city road. It's a main, like it's a main public road. And they had it all cordoned off and they built this makeshift, uh, like shed area, right? Yeah. And this train, of course, is on that 300 meter test track that they were running back and forth on. They just parked it and left it. So right now, today, if you were to go there, you would see it sitting in this garage under a thick layer of dust. And they've got a couple of, uh, as they describe them, old security guards watching the place. And the old guards even say, honestly, they left without even telling us where they went. They We'd, forgot about us. They forgot about them, too. So the, this yeah. thing is like just abandoned in the middle of the city in under this rusty old garage. Um, with these two older yeah. guys looking after it. And you would think like, okay, well maybe they can just, why doesn't this, you know, why doesn't the China state just move it out? You know, why don't they come in and just, you know, scrap this pile of junk, why right? Why is that? Well, here's, here's the reason. They say no one's done anything with it in over two months and it hasn't been dismantled. The, these, this local resident said, give us our road back. We want to pass through. So it's blocking traffic, right? It's causing a lot of trouble in the city that, that they tested this thing in. And they say, unfortunately, locals won't be able to get rid of this straddling bus so easily. The lease for the 300-meter-long test track was set to expire on August 31st. However, in September, TEB Tech, uh, the deputy manager and spokesperson, confirmed that the lease had been extended for another year. So in uh, at the end of, uh, what was it, September, or I'm sorry, August 31st, they renewed that lease for another year. It's going to sit parked there for at least another year. Until their, that lease is up. And their website's still up, too. Yeah. So, I don't know if you check that out. So are they going to come back and dust this thing off and give it another shot? Or what's going to happen? Or have investors soured to the idea and decided that, you know, no matter how many time they, times they bring this thing out, uh, you know, we're not going to invest. It's kind of like the monorail idea, you know, like <laughs> – Everybody always gets every, everybody always gets suckered into a monorail deal. It happens all over the place, right? Yeah, it's also one of your favorite episodes of The Simpsons. <laughs> it really is, but places really do fall for that idea. Yeah, it's true. It's and like that's the solution because what do they say? Like it worked at Disney World, you know, or Disneyland. Sure. And why wouldn't it work in our city? Why wouldn't it? Yeah, because <laughs> every city is pretty much Disneyland. Isn't I mean, it? it's just like well, look at Detroit's People Mover. That's one example. There's a, tell you what, there's examples all over the place of a monorail that just doesn't go where they think it's going to go. Well, here's something else, and I think this is very important to point out. There were no accidents. There were no mishaps, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of physical collisions or something disastrous like that. <laughs> On its own 300-meter test track? Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so 
Aside from, I, I think the biggest problem is the most apparent and most immediate problem is the height yeah. difference. And so if they can get it up, if they can uh, uh, essentially double the height there, then it would be a little more feasible. But I also have to ask, and I know maybe that's a, this is a bit conspiratorial, Scott, but uh, is it possible that someone in the company angered someone with influence in the media? Could be. Why not? And you know what? If they if they raise this thing to twice the height that it is now off the road, it seems like they're going to have to make it wider. Like they're going to have to go to three yeah. lanes wide instead of two lanes because right. it's going to be too top heavy. Because you got twelve hundred or fourteen hundred people in this thing, and that's a that's a uh, what do they call it? A live load, I guess, where it, mm-hmm. it shifts and moves as people yeah, you yeah. know uh, vary their position inside. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems completely unstable. I mean, it, right now it looks you know low and wide enough to be you know feasible. Yeah, I but think if you double it, you're right. You would have to widen it. You'd also have, double the height. You'd have to. You'd have to go at least one lane wider, if not two. So this thing is going to get ex- exponentially bigger. Um, I just don't know. I, I feel like people have just decided that they've had enough of this for now and let this go away for a while. Besides, Ben, like they said in The uh, Simpsons, it's probably more of a Shelbyville kind of idea anyways. <laughs> uh, however, uh, the story is not over yet. As Scott said, they have renewed the lease uh, for the – place where they abandoned this thing. <laughs> the website's still active. They may well be, uh, although when last we checked, I think their last update on the official website had been in September. Now, Ben, can you just imagine? I mean, just imagine this. I, I'm looking at photos right now of this thing because you can find these online. There's this rusted out shed that's open on both ends. You know, it's a huge, huge building that they've built right in the middle of the street. There's a like a looks like what looks like a box car with a window on it, and that's all rusted as well. And that's probably where the security guards kind of hang out. Camp right, out. right. It, it likely was an office at some point. Yeah, I hope they're at least being paid. There is a, uh, <laughs> you know, that's the thing. If the investors are gone, who's paying them? I mean, who? Maybe it was a state operated thing or something. Maybe eventually um, they'll just get the bus for themselves. I don't know. It, it just it looks. Like I mean, it's it's awful looking. The 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 visual of this thing right now is no good. I mean, it, they need to do something with this. They need to get rid of it or continue to keep Fix it. You know, it now yeah, maintain it at least. Yeah, well, exactly. They need to do something because there is also a uh, there's also a platform. You know, a pedestrian platform that they use for testing to show what that would look like. Um, that's abandoned. Um, it's just it's a it's a horrible visual for this uh, this. Uh, uh, this idea, like no one's ever going to come back to it if this is what they're looking at right now. Ah, interesting that you would say that because uh, I, I'm not sure if you're aware, but government officials in India have uh, already expressed interest building something <laughs> like this. To okay. me, it seems even less feasible because from what I understand, India has where this would be useful. India has some pretty chaotic traffic. Oh, yeah, I've seen chaotic traffic there. I mean, you can watch clips online of that. And it's like there's there's just no order to some of those those intersections. And this requires extreme order. I mean, there's going to be separate a separate set of rules when this thing is in operation because uh, it, it's not – because it's on rails, I guess it, it corners differently than you might think. Right. Uh, it requires, you know, long sweeping turns as would a train. Um, it's not something that can turn tightly like a bus can. It can't make right hand turns, so, or left hand turns. Um, nothing, you know, 90 degrees by any means. Sure, sure. Can't do U turns. Probably no reverse. It, it's probably just a, uh, like a straight shot there and back. If not one big loop, you know, maybe a, a circular track. I could see that. No. But, um, yeah. It, everything is different. And, and again, watch some of these videos and just, Pay attention to how disorienting it is. It is when someone's in. If you're 
in the car, like, you know, the perspective from a driver, sure, sure, sure. and this thing comes over you from behind or, you know, it stops and you have to continue on or one or the other, very, very, um, um, it, it just messes with your perception. Well, hey, check this out, though. We have a smaller example of this with the Atlanta streetcar. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's kind of a debacle. You can it's, tell uh, it's, it's Scott's favorite thing. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's not a good situation, the, uh, the streetcar so, thing. It's, it's a losing proposition. Well, okay. I'm not getting, what, I'm not giving it enough time? No, no. The thing is, they went half measure with it in yeah. the city. Yeah. And so it was, Built almost as a proof of concept in a very small, uh, very small single loop. It circles around, uh, Centennial Olympic Park and then it also goes to by the West End, Peachtree, and then it has a loop that takes it through, uh, Edgewood, uh, which would be near the MLK Center. That's right near us. That's right near us. Yeah, yeah. and it's and, so it's a very small loop. And the idea was that it'd be for tourists, right? It would be yeah. a way to get tourists around the city. You know, they're in town. Maybe they don't have a car, or they do have a, a car, but don't want to deal with Atlanta traffic or whatever. It's. A, I think it was a cheap ride too, isn't it? Like a dollar or something. Yeah, it was free for the first few months. It, yeah, it's free, and now it's like a cup, maybe a dollar or two. Or I like something. hopping on, but um, uh, oh, you ride it? I've ridden it. Yeah. Wow. Well, I rode it when I. You know me. I rode it when it was free. Did you get mugged? No. Oh. I mugged some people. Oh, good for you. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you gotta no. make it a profitable trip, I guess. Right, right, yeah. right. Uh, but the, um, I did not, in fact, mug anyone. Okay. Uh, but the, the thing that interests me about this for the purpose of this episode is that when they began testing this thing on a very small track, uh, I'll, I'll show you this map here. It okay. has the loop. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like two loops. Sure. Uh, with a nexus point. Yeah. So, when the uh, or an intersection point rather uh when they begin testing this thing the accidents start occurring mm-hmm. to be fair none of the accidents are the fault of the streetcar operator it's people reacting to it's people the, reacting the to a thing on the rails when they have you know the agency of anywhere they can roll their car in many places they should not sure but there are places where streetcars work perfectly fine san francisco I mean that's the that's a huge example. But how right much there. of that is just how much of that though is just the the fact that people are used to that. People who are driving in San Francisco now grew up with those train cars. That's true. There's a ton of tourists though. I mean, you think that they come in contact with them at some point. I mean, most tourists are on that streetcar probably. I mean, instead <laughs> of you know, instead of trying to deal with it in traffic. But that's a good point. I mean, I don't know. It seems like when anywhere that there is a a train that shares the roadway like that, or a a bus like this that shares yeah. the roadway, there's always going to be that chance that you know the interaction with other drivers who are um, able to switch lanes and able to uh, you know. Make mm-hmm. poor decisions <laughs> sure, yeah. around that vehicle. Able to swerve somewhere. I think yeah, what happened um, a lot of – I think at least a couple of the accidents with the streetcar here in Atlanta, even on its very small route, uh, I think at least a few of them were people trying to jump ahead, cut it off, and then execute illegal left-hand turns or yeah. something like that. Uh, but Not um, a smart move. No, especially with a vehicle that does not stop as easily as you know a typical light sedan would yeah i would say so i mean it's a big big heavy vehicle and it's on rails to begin with it's this it's it's a different but similar problem uh and you got a lot of people inside that are not buckled in they're just sitting on you know open seats so that's another danger aspect i guess and in a bus it's the same thing 
Um, it would but just, it's like trying to race a train. Like, why would you? Why would you race the train? So, Ben, uh, this will lead to a lot of infrastructure changes as well. If if yeah. it does come about, yeah, yeah. You know, either either in China or in India mm. or whoever else decides to or jump on this bandwagon or Atlanta, wherever they decide to do something like this, but it does it does change the landscape of the roads. And also, this is such a significant investment, so so crazy expensive. To build stuff in any city, I mean the the bureaucratic red tape alone. You know what I mean? Well, what was the uh, the amount that was raised for this thing? It was like uh, what's the uh, the unit of measure? It's RMB, right? Right, RMB. Uh, that's, uh, so there was like fifty RMB. fifty million, which is about uh, I think it's a little over seven million U.S. dollars mm-hmm. uh, that was raised for this project. And now, if you look at the uh, the image of it sitting in the barn, kind of rusting. Um, that's where your seven and a half million or seven and a quarter million dollars oh, went. And so many people are convinced that the, these guys just bilked everyone and well, made off with seven million. Well, they're gone. No one can find them. Even right. the guards left guarding the place. I mean, that's an interesting story right there. I'd love to find out what those guys do all day. You know, probably nothing. Probably playing their phones all day. They're probably like, yeah, they probably like chain smoke and play they're, Angry Birds. They're Sudoku masters. At this point, <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> they get really good at something. Maybe they're secretly the owners, and they're just sitting on that cool seven mil. Now, wouldn't that be something if they found out like those those sleepy guards that are outside there? Those are the guys that are just counting the cash at night at home. What a heist! There's oh, no way. That's an interesting thought. That would be such a a great. And, I, I would watch that if that were a comedy. And, and everybody that asks, they're just like, oh, I, those guys. I don't know. That's what they're telling everybody. They're like, they left. We don't even know where they are. They we don't call me back. We can't contact them. It's yeah. A, it's a perfect cover. Perfect cover. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, uh, guys, if you're listening to the show, write in and let us know. Uh, the funders of TEB, we'd love to hear your uh, your take on this. And for everyone else out there, we uh, hope that you are having a Wonderful time as we're in the midst of the holiday season. And we want to hear from you. What do you think is the place of light rail like this? You know, Ben, I mean, Does it ab- have a place? after all this, I, I kind of, I would love to see something like this really work because it's really, it's a cool looking thing. And as far as like replacing a bus or something, this is a, a completely different idea, something we haven't yeah, really it's a cool seen. Idea. It's a really neat looking thing. And if, if it were to work like they want it to work, like, you know, flawlessly and, and there were really no mm. other real world issues that are getting in the way. Yeah. <laughs> which it's, it's loaded with those, by the way. But if it really would work the way that they want it to and they say that it would, this, I'd love to see something like this in place somewhere in a crowded city. Yeah. A really a, crowded in city. In a crowded city where the, where the speed limit is relatively low. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another problem we didn't even talk about. But where the speed limit is relatively low, then I I would also love to see this. Are you kidding? Wouldn't you love to hop on this thing? I, I would. And here's the, here's the other like the knee jerk reaction here is like, well, why don't they just pull it off to the side and have it on its own designated trail, like so that no cars have to go underneath it, and that's that eliminates the problem, right? That's just a train, then. You, yeah. you, I mean, they've got they've got those. They're trying to you're trying to deal with the roadway that exists. So, right. like the, the, the infrastructure, your you idea. Like if you're thinking that, because I thought that at, at one point I was thinking, well, why don't they just keep the cars away? From, oh, that's right, because that's the idea is that it's supposed mm-hmm. to go over the cars. Right, and then, you know, I was also thinking the the money aspects. You could set up. You could set up like a food stand there and then eventually I'm sure there would be someone with enough novelty that they would say, hey, we're going to make one of these things a restaurant or oh, – That's I, a good idea. Yeah, I think the restaurant's an okay idea. Um, but what if it 
you know, somebody was probably going to try some novelty hotel too, and I don't think that would work as well. <laughs> but a restaurant might. So there, there are all these cool, there are all these cool, wouldn't it be great if kind of ideas, but we want to know from you guys, do you think any of this would work? Do you think this is a scam or just delayed funding? I'll tell you what, if people are not returning phone calls, then that makes it sound like a scam. It sure does sound like that. It's like uh, it's like they don't have much prospect of coming back to this project, mm-hmm. I don't think. And you know, we'll see what happens over the next year as we wait out this lease and see what goes on, because it'll be in the news for sure. People yeah. are still reporting on this. I mean, one of these reports in front of me here comes from today. It happened uh, this morning before we came into the podcast studio. So, um, you know, it's still an area of interest, and we'll find out what's going on with it in the next year for sure. Um, one more thing, Ben. We wanted to talk about uh, some listener mail, right? We have uh, we have some feedback. Is that right? Absolutely. All right. Let's do it. All right. So, Scott, our first listener mail today comes from David R. David R. says, you ask for nicknames. I have three when you all can decide who is who. The nicknames are number one, camshaft, number two, downshift, and number three, overdrive. I like, I like camshaft myself. All right. Yeah, camshaft. Uh, Scott, camshaft, Benjamin? Yeah, I could live with that. Yeah. What okay. about you? Uh, also camshaft? We could all, <laughs> we could all adopt camshaft. <laughs> uh, Maybe I would go for uh, I I don't know I guess uh, Noel why don't you pick one and then I'll I'll take the third one so we'll we'll get back on that uh, I was thinking of difficult nicknames to pull off by the way unrelated to <laughs> to this David uh, something you have to you have to live up to uh-huh. oh. uh huh one of the oh, all right so I met someone for, did I mention this already I may mention this on the air somebody calling themselves Snakebite oh yeah you told me off air I don't know about on air it's still in remember. my head. That someone would call themselves Snakebite, and then I'm expected to refer to them as that? Come on, man. <laughs> that's, I, a, that's a crazy nickname. Scott, Snakebite. I'm in my 30s. Yeah. Yep. And you got friends named Snakebite. <laughs> what's going on with you, Ben? Friends of friends what's, named uh, Snakebite. What's going on in your life right now? <laughs> um, all right. Uh, what's going on right now? I'm glad you asked. Uh, it will be uh, Lister Mail. <laughs> Okay. So moving on, and thank you. Thank you, David. So our second email comes from Ron C. And he did a, uh, he's, he's writing back in response to the zipper merge. And he says the zipper merge may work well in theory, but in practice, it's just an excuse for impatient, self-important people to cut in line. It's like, let me point out two major <laughs> flaws with it. No, okay. Okay. Now, Ron drives a semi. He said, one flaw is trucks. When I'm in my semi and bumper-to-bumper traffic, there are around six cars in the lane next to me. The zipper me- merge method says that the cars alternate. Most drivers think that this means if they are next to another vehicle, they get to be in front of it. If their lane ends, every one of them thinks they have the right of way to merge in front of me. Since I have to slow down for these people that don't care and wait for them to squeeze in, I then have a new crop trying to squeeze in in front of me again. It's often not until I get up too far for them to pull up alongside that they back off. If there are no cones, emergency vehicles, or cops, they will stay in the closed lane until they are by me, often driving in the dirt or on a sidewalk. Oh, boy. Okay, now, listen, there's a couple things here, and I, I totally understand why a truck driver, a big truck driver, would understand or would not um, agree with the zipper merge theory. Uh, it's tough for them because the cars are just continually cutting in front of them way too close and not a lot, not giving them enough space to break, 
that's one thing, right? Yeah. The other thing is, who wants to let a big truck in front of you? So they will, like he says, I mean, they'll they'll, they'll try to squeeze out that last inch of pavement in front mm-hmm. of him. I'm sure, um, you know, be, so they don't have to be behind the big truck for whatever reason. That seems kind of silly, but uh, well, people do that. Well, because a lot of people, when driving, have this natural line mentality, and people want to be yeah. at the front of what they see as a line. Even though that that logic doesn't really apply to traffic. Yeah, and you know, I we got a couple of notes from uh, big rig drivers, you know, from semi drivers, and yeah. they they said, you know, the zipper merge thing, it's not really good for us. Well, and and I totally understand. I I, I get that. Well, semi drivers have, I think, one of the toughest jobs on the road. Oh yeah, because there are so many people who think they're hot shots because they've been fortunate enough to never get hit. Buy a tractor trailer yeah. uh, and think that this uh, think that it's fine for them to swerve into a lane and slam on the brakes just to get in front in line. Yeah, yeah. You know, one quick thing I want to mention here though yeah. is he also mentions like the people that that go all the way to the very end and then try to squeeze in and end up using like the the, the shoulder or like he said, you know, the the sidewalk the sidewalk to yeah. get in. That's not at all what I was talking about. I guess when I was talking about the zipper merge is where people are actually. You know, working with one another, and I know that's the problem. That's the, the problem. The problem yeah. is that you know you you kind of line yourself up with you know the, the space in between the two cars next to you, mm-hmm. and that's the way it works. And then everybody lets everybody in seamlessly. And I know that's a dream you know scenario. Sure. It happens sometimes, but it doesn't happen very often. Usually, someone's fighting, and it, there's like two cars that go ahead, and then one slips in, and then maybe another three cars go, and another one slips yeah. in. It just doesn't work out all that well. It's, so. it's kind of like what. Ron pointed out the sentence that really stuck out to me. He said, most drivers think this means if they're next to another vehicle, they get to be in front of it. Yeah. So which part of the zipper are you? He yeah. he raises his second point um, is the following, and this is an example when he's in his car. The second problem is when multiple lanes are closed. As an extreme example, I offer what actually happened to me in my car a few weeks ago. Fatal collision closed the freeway, but not until I was stuck in it. For the rest of us, the police had left open one lane out of eight all the way to the left. When you are in the only lane open and seven other lanes are zippering with you, you are not zippering with every other car. You are zippering with every eighth car. No, it definitely doesn't work in that Add this to the number of people the previous problem creates, and I was stuck on the freeway for over two hours. It was only one mile from the closure. I can – I have experienced this absolutely – I, you know, it's strange because, again, people don't have a an overall view of traffic, right? We don't see the forest for the trees, and that becomes readily apparent if you look at any of the science behind traffic jams, you know, and how easily and quickly a a small slowdown in one lane 3 miles away can create a a bottleneck you know oh, in, yeah. in a few and, minutes and it doesn't work he he makes a perfect point is that it doesn't work when you're going from 8 lanes to 1 there's no way that you're going to perform a you know any kind of zipper merge at all it's just all right, you can go ahead because you've been. I've seen you sitting there. You're ahead of me or whatever. It's like it becomes a courtesy thing. Then, yeah. You know when because you're you're almost making at that point. Let's say it's in the you know in the left side and you're trying to get to the right. You're almost making a, a right hand turn uh, <laughs> to get off of the road. You know to exit a ramp yeah. or wherever. But um, yeah, that that's hopefully just decency, common decency comes out in that situation. People know, let man. you in or you let people in and it just has to work that way. Otherwise, you, you, like he said, you can be stuck in there for two hours if the road shuts down ahead. My judgmental nature 
mm-hmm. rises to the surface so quickly and so strange, man. I'm so petty <laughs> in like a traffic jam. Like I will, I if I see someone and I think, look at look at that guy. You know, he's like working hard. He's got his kid in the car. You know, I I like the truck or whatever. And it's like, oh, he just let someone in and now he needs to get in. Well, you know what, man, karma. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, or someone lets you in when you're like right when you're, when you're leaving a parking lot or something. Yeah, then I'm like, cool. If we're going the same way, we're road dogs. And you're traveling a you're pack. Kind, now. You're kind of the next person that wants to get yeah. ahead. And you show like, well, you let me in. I'm going to let someone else in. So you know, just so you know, it's paid back. But here's the thing. Yeah, I, I start building my own pack or tribe in my head when I'm like, <laughs> who's with me oh, in boy. this in this traffic jam? And then if I see somebody, you know, hot dogging around and like trying to cut off a semi, there's people who do the obnoxious thing where they immediately take tailgate somebody else in traffic who yeah. has nowhere else to go. Yeah. If I see that person and you're around other members of what I have decided in my weird head as my tribe or my pack, I'm going to collaborate with them to ruin your day. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll get over in this lane and me and the guy on the other side are going to pace you. going to box you in. We're right? going to box you in. Oh. I will box. I used to do it a lot, but it's, you know, it's not fair because you, to be, to be absolutely honest, we don't have any idea what other people's situations are. No. Why they're in a hurry? They may not just be being, you know. I I try to think garbage people. I, <laughs> but I try to think like that when I see someone using the, uh, you know, the the um, uh, the side lane, the uh, yeah. the shoulder, yeah, yeah. you know, to pass a traffic jam. I think okay. The, Maybe, just maybe, there's a medical emergency going on, or they've got to get home because you know there's some bad news or something, or you know whatever. I try to I try to think the best of people in that situation, but then yeah. about five minutes later, I'm thinking like, ah, I just saw that guy pull off the road. He, he's not going anywhere important, you know. I, I know that they're not going anywhere important, but I try initially. I try to think good things about that person, think positive <laughs> thoughts, right? Uh, right but right. it just doesn't work out. What are you practicing yeah. this secret, man? Well, That's after uh, you know, after a few minutes of sitting in the traffic, you know, you think like, well, that. That jerk is already home or something you know, and, <laughs> like, because he pulled that move. And but you, then you think, well, maybe he got a flat tire from all the debris in the uh, – You know what, man? They're not happy at home. <laughs> People like that not. are never happy in general. <laughs> Why is this taking a turn, hasn't it? Yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm twist. sounding like a real monster here. It's taking a twist. So, Ben, you got one more for us or uh, or is that it? Yeah, we got – let's do one more today. Uh, Kelsey B. writes to us and says, Ben and Scott, uh, I, I – I, it's a oof, very high praise, incredible podcast. It's such a pleasure to listen. Too kind. Wow. Don't let us get, you know, big heads about ourselves. Very nice. Uh, so uh, Kelsey's responding to listener mail and used tires. Uh, Kelsey says, I typically buy used wheels and tires off Craigslist and sell the old alloys for the cost of the new ones because everyone likes new shoes. Oh, now I remember this. I wrote back to Kelsey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a great idea. Uh, yeah. And uh, said on the 3000K episode, you know, we talked about steps to uh, increase your probability of having a car make it to 3,000 miles, 300,000. Uh, it says, I love this. Um I've been a 20-year mechanic on heavy jets and uh, also, in addition, had done three years of auto work during some hard times. And Kelsey wanted to weigh in and say, throttle body cleanings are snake oil, in my opinion. Pull the intake off, clean the carbon off with a little arrow coil and brush, and a brush, and then flush clean. Uh, these are the upsells in the auto repair world. Of course, paying the shop to do this intake cleaning is not economically feasible. So Kelsey's just promoting the uh, do-it-yourself method versus having it done at the dealership because mm-hmm. uh, it really is very simple to do. I mean, it's yeah. it's and also you know we've we've talked about this so many times. You got the benefit of 
of YouTube and all these oh, uh, yeah. DIY sites that will tell you exactly how to do it and step by step through this thing. You can even watch somebody do it probably on your own vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many videos out there. So uh, just look for that stuff online and you'll find it. And it's really, really simple. And again, you don't have to pay somebody $100 to do this. You can buy a can of the uh, the cleaning solution yeah, yeah. and use an old toothbrush or something or <laughs> whatever you've got. You know? Just put some um, elbow grease in I- it. I'm kidding with the toothbrush. But you can use uh, you know stuff you've got around the house. Your basically. roommate's toothbrush. <laughs> 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 but anyways, it's a, it's a simple, simple thing to do. So he's yeah. right. And uh, again, um, a lot of that stuff is if you're if you're you know, ready to get your hands dirty mm-hmm. and, you know, roll up your sleeves, then a lot of that stuff you can kind of get done on the cheap. Yeah, yeah. He points out his last point. I also feel we change too much based on mileage. He says, I run spark plugs and inspect them at intervals rather than an automatic change. Oh, very good. That's uh, that's yeah. that's really wise advice uh, is think, that yeah. know, wait until something is showing signs of wear or has broken. Well, not I wouldn't say it has broken. Wait until it's showing signs of wear. But that, in, that requires you to inspect things often too. Right. So right. if you're not pulling the plugs out and inspecting them every, you know, 20, thousand miles after a certain point um then you probably wouldn't know that you're having an issue that's the thing a lot of people i would say a lot of those mileage mandates that's what i like to call them Mm -hmm. a lot of mileage mandates come about because there were people who weren't necessarily interested in their cars they just wanted to know like a very simple way to enforce a maintenance regimen sure yeah and the manufacturer says well before it breaks uh you know we'll 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 play it safe on our end so you know we know that it's you know designed to last let's say ballpark fifty thousand miles or whatever we're going to have them change it at thirty five thousand did they say that scott or Uh, did they have a meeting (laughs) where they said how often can we get people to buy spark i saw you roll your eyes when i said that i know sorry man a bigger conspiracy idea is maybe that uh yeah they're in with the spark plug people well i mean not yet (laughs) but you heard that apple's considering building some autonomous vehicles yeah that's going to be planned obsolescence i'm calling it now yeah i'm talking about system updates and all oh, that yeah, stuff yeah, and yeah. like uh what happens well, I mean, really really what happens i mean we've got a lot of questions about this there's mm-hmm. there's really some serious concerns we have i'm gonna go on record and say i probably i would not unless apple changed as a company i would not buy a vehicle from them oh man so we've we've talked about so many things today in this episode yeah, yeah. We? we've been yeah. all over the board that's good though i like yeah, that this I've, kind of went on some tangents but uh i like episodes like this yeah me too man yeah and hopefully other listeners like it as well <laughs> oh let's hope so it's literally our job <laughs> well, yeah, that's what we're, we're banking on that so if you would like to check out some of the previous episodes of Car Stuff, you are in luck. You can go to our website, carstuffshow.com, find every single audio podcast we have ever done. That's a lot. Some are better than others. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but even more importantly, we'd like to hear from you. If you have a recommendation for something you think your fellow listeners would like to hear about, uh, visit us on Facebook or Twitter where we are Car Stuff HSW. That's also the spot to go if you're just like, hey, here's a funny thing I saw. Uh, <laughs> drop it, drop us a line. You can also find some stories on there that don't make it to air for one reason or another. That's where you can check out that 2017 accurate NSX that Scott spotted in the wild, uh, along with a multitude of other reports and events and uh, postings and uh, cool car pictures. Just whatever I find around town, really. 
it's <laughs> it's one of our Scott finds around town. Uh, so tune in, do check us out there, and if you would like to take a page from your fellow listeners' books and write to us directly, uh, we have an email address. We are carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.